My motto is patience first and people always. And I believe that that inclusive leadership is the key to unlocking value for patients. Welcome to Transforming Biopharma by ZS. I'm Maria Whitman, Managing Principal, and this episode is part of our series on the future of pharma's commercial model. Today, I'm talking with Savitri Basavaya, Vice President, Portfolio and Commercialization Strategy at Janssen, J&J Pharmaceuticals. Savitri has a deep background in pharma, and before joining Janssen, she worked at Bristol-Myers Squibb and at Pfizer. I'm looking forward to talking to her today about the broader challenges of commercial leadership and what the future might look for for pharma as we rethink ourselves in a new commercial model. Welcome, Savitri. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Maria. I'm looking forward to our discussion. This is a really exciting time in the industry. A lot of incredible progress has been made over the last few decades, but unmet needs and underserved needs still remain. Um, right from the start of my career, which started off with new product development um, and then focusing on early pipeline into marketing new products, I've been lucky to work across regions, countries, and in global roles. And I have this conviction that the science has never been stronger and that trajectory of innovation is incredibly fast. Now, to be sure that it's emerging against a very dynamic environment with headwinds and tailwinds um, that are challenging us and asking us to reimagine how we get to and go to market um, with implications for organizational capabilities and how we lead our people. So my motto is patience first and people always. And I believe that that inclusive leadership is the key to unlocking value for patients. It's very rewarding for me at this time to be with Johnson & Johnson because we're continuing to set the high goals for ourselves across innovation and inclusive leadership. Thank you so much, Savitri. You know, I agree with so many points that you made, and I can't wait to unpack them with you as we, as we dive into our conversation. That that conviction about the science and about where we are, I agree. This is a unique time. You know, we we have so much going on in discovery. The innovation is getting more specific and personalized to people. We have platforms that have emerged to give us more and more options to support patients in need. And as we follow the science, we also have to follow it in terms of of you know where we're going commercially. But let's start with that science. What is most exciting to you about where the science is taking us? I see it in two ways, unmet needs and underserved needs. So there's definitely new treatments for diseases where limited options exist or no options exist. Um, but there's also still opportunity in reaching both early stage, late stage, and refractory stages to really serve the patient through the full journey. And we've gone from this identifying a couple hundred diseases to thousands of diseases. And that's really based on this advancements in data science, diagnostics that's fueled that learning and allowed us to um, you know, unlock the, the uh, opportunities for patients. Um, we can now diagnose and treat rare diseases where um, in the past families you know, and patients, like the cycle time to just get the diagnosis was very long. And, you know, um, now in partnership with advocacy organizations, we're reducing that cycle time. So I think all of that is where the science is taking us. It's not just about the treatments, but the whole ecosystem. You know, you really have to open the aperture to think across platforms and pathways and disease areas. Um, but you have to do it in a disciplined way. Uh, of where the, where there's opportunity to win and because you can't take it all. And one of the things you, you and I have talked about is, you know, strategy is about those choices um, and making those choices across all of that. That's absolutely right. Let's step back for a second and say, okay, we're bringing 
all this new wonderful science to market, many of these developments and many of the, uh, you know, the elements of how pharma engages in the system need changes to the commercial and operating model in order to be successful. So from your vantage point, Savitri, what do you see as the biggest challenges for commercial leaders in the next three to five years thinking about that change? So I'd say the first challenge is evolving at the pace of science and innovation, right? So what worked in the past and how we found therapies and brought them to market um, will likely not work going forward. Um, and that's not only with precision medicine or rare and gene therapies, but even more traditional modalities as well. You know, the tools exist, data science, innovative manufacturing, sales and marketing models that embrace omnichannel. We just need to be able to adopt these efficiently and effectively um, wh uh, while also building the uh, new tools. I'd say the other challenge that the that you know my peers and I face across the industry is you know building diverse teams is is both an opportunity and a challenge. You know, it, it sometimes feels like a small industry with a lot of cross pollination, and and people do move within their companies and have long uh, fruitful careers. But it takes that purposeful talent planning to ensure the right skills and experiences are being built to prepare those future leaders and um, and also being open minded right about what future skills will take precedence that might look different than the past, especially as research development and these models change. So for me, when I'm looking at it, and I think for my peers as well, it's it's a balance on leaning into experience versus leaning into uh, learning agility and looking for both. That growth mindset is something I'm talking to a lot of leaders about, Savitri, as well, because, you know, what has made us successful in the past definitely will not be the skills and the capabilities needed for the future. So let's let's talk about that. What are some of the most important capabilities pharma is going to need that we either have to accelerate from today or we need to kind of reinvent if we want to be ready for that future? Um, I think that as I look across um, the capabilities, it's it's thinking through that journey from identifying targets to developing them quickly or failing fast and then bringing them to market. To me, it's it's this perfect sort of marriage between um, innovative data science. We need to we really need to level up, um, you know, innovative um, supply, especially with some of the new modalities that are coming through. And then we need a closer marriage of um, the the go-to-market capabilities that come together from an access and marketing perspective. You know, it's a lot of noise for our customers. So how can we clear that clutter for them as well? You know, you've you've mentioned a couple of times that the intersection of these different roles and functions within our organization coming together to, to make it happen. Why has this been so challenging? We've talked about commercial um, you know, an access being more thoroughly involved at the levels of development and, and moving it through the, the system. Why, why has it been so hard? The science has never been better or stronger and moving faster. Um, and what we are doing at Janssen is really working more collaboratively and cross-functionally um, to have those functions earlier in the development, um, which maybe in the past um, hasn't happened across the industry. It definitely hasn't. And, and you and I have had the benefit of talking about some of the ways you're doing that. I think another another um, balanced capability that's emerging that that I know we've talked about is the ability to use 
your capabilities, your data science, your your analysis to to really um, decide when do you lean in on internal innovation and when do you really need to think externally uh, as an organization in order to be able to bring as quickly as possible the best assets to patients. How is how is J and J thinking about that balance? Yeah, look, I think we are we we are agnostic to the source of innovation and focused on the transformative therapies. So we would look both internally and externally. Where I think the focus is strategically is ensuring that we are playing in areas where there is actionable science, there's underserved populations or unmet needs, and we have an ability to win. And that's what shapes our strategy. And then the how is really, um, you know, agnostic to the source of innovation. That's great. It keeps it focused on the patient. As you said from the beginning, that conviction of following the science and, and make sure we're putting patient and people first. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, as as you balance as a strategy lead on portfolios of the future, you know, there's that balance of am I am I bringing forth innovation for that underserved population? You mentioned rare disease for the the areas where we haven't had a lot of development. Um, and balancing that with where we truly have unmet need, which may not always be just efficacy and safety. It might also be in, in you know, in the how that allows more patients to access it. And, and so how, how are organizations like J&J thinking about how are we bringing forth the best science to meet all the needs that are out there and truly advance the disease states you're in? As an industry, we're committed to driving diversity in clinical trials, reaching underserved populations. Um, populations that have societal stigmas and don't feel the parity with access to care. It's also important for us to understand the needs of all our patients, right? And requiring different communication venues and approaches, community and um, advocacy activation. Um, and then also ensuring, right, to the how, when products are brought to market, ensuring our patient programs also consider the diversity of our patient base. You know, this could include understanding cultural differences and patient journey nuances but also ensuring that patient materials, whether in clinical trials or, or in market, have that necessary clarity and sensitivity um, and partnering across the, the ecosystem. Um, you know, at J&J, we've made, a, we've made a, a big commitment we call the ORTHI, which is our race to health equity. And it's, it's about being focused on being part of and driving that change agenda for the industry. It's wonderful. I, I do think that we are at a turning point in where pharma has brought that focus, especially in the clinical frame, to how can we how can we be inclusive in our in our trials. But it does require continuous reinvestment in in mm -hmm. and choice in driving that decision every day. Yeah. Uh, even you know even as the choices get harder in what we develop and how you know keeping that front and center. I think about it two ways. Um, both discipline and agility, right? So your strategy has to anchor you. Um, but as we learn from the clinic and as we learn from uh, you know, the competitive environment or the policy environment, you need to be able to um, pivot on strategy as, as, as you move forward. So it needs to have both that agility and that discipline. That is such an important point, Savitri. So much of the work we've been doing in the future of health shows us that our common understanding of the patient journey on which we derive a lot of our innovation and our execution 
is giving way to a much more heterogeneous set of interactions and way people experience health, whether it's closer to the patient's home on the ground, you know, two thirds of American want care in the home, whether it's um, patients choosing to or not to engage, you know, I've shared with you statistics like 44% of patients, um, you know, do not engage with the system till they're sick. It actually forces an unprecedented level of agility and understanding that organizations need to have as they're developing and as they're delivering that commercialization to all people in need. As I think about it, right, the there's always been cross-functional and matrix. This is a cross-functional matrix industry that's always required us to partner. But to your point, we need to break down those silos even more. Um, you know, the ability to identify targets more efficiently and move quickly or fail fast. But it's also from my vantage point about those building those go-to models market models that work for that portfolio. Um, you know, so this success requires this unprecedented level of collaboration that we need, um, you know, between R&D and supply chain and commercial and data science all at the same uh, at the same table at the earliest stages of development. And then as we move for forward, you know, medical affairs and market access, as well as public affairs, you know, trying to shape um, strategy and, and, and enable access and patient reimbursement and affordability. So as we're thinking, we're spending a lot of time thinking about the future um, and all the innovation that's coming. We are also in a moment, Savitri, where we have unprecedented economic pressure on the portfolio, on the model, whether you're thinking about patent cliffs or, or the way that uh, policy has been shaping out. So what I'm seeing across the industry is a lot of companies scaling back and thinking about the commercial model. How can it deliver smarter? How can it deliver more with less? Do you see, what do you see as the biggest opportunities for change right now? So I think, you know, doing more with less can only get you so far, right? And what you really need to do is make choices about where you want to play and where you want to, where you don't want to play. And, and those choices should be really driven by, by that actionable science. Um, I think it comes back to that concept of agility and discipline, which is how I view strategic planning. I agree with you wholeheartedly. One thing I find with a lot of our clients is that we're not to play, you know, turning off some lights when we've been, you know, full charge ahead on, on an existing commercial model that still shows high ROI. It's very hard to, to, to make that change and make that call of, Yes, we should prioritize X over Y. You know, how 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 do you think yeah. about that challenge that leaders are facing? This is where like having a good pulse on the full ecosystem is really important because something could be driving value in market, but that same science may not have the same value earlier in the pipeline or the other way around, right? Where we're still unlocking what some of these new modalities can do for patients. And that's how we sort of think about it too, uh, Maria, is, is, you know, the patient's at the heart of what we do, and that's the higher calling in this industry versus others. Um, and for J&J, it's very much about our credo. It's front, center, right, left. It's, it surrounds us. It's our surround sound. Um, and I haven't seen anything like this, by the way. Um, teams often have credo sessions to guide that decision-making Um we're actually about to celebrate our 80th anniversary of Credo. Oh, wow. um, and yeah, and it's it's really, I think the longevity is, is a testament to how, how real it is for employees. Now, having said that, much like we we're talking about strategy refresh, right? We also check in and take purposeful looks um, 
to keep to keep it um, fresh. And so about five years ago, we went we went um, through a long process uh, and made made edits to modernize it. Um, so with that as our backdrop, you know, recently cross-functional teams have collaborated within in the, the company to make those decisions around pipeline programs, where to double down, where to step away, anchored by our credo. Um, and it, you know, it's the credo that focuses on patients and families, the healthcare providers who care for them, the colleagues working on the programs that we're discussing, and our shareholders. Um, and so it's it's not just sort of slapped on one side of the room. It's actually part of the talk as we go through the process. Um, because of this unprecedented collaboration, right, that is needed, um, and the fact that these new modalities require different approaches. So being really realistic and putting stage gates where we need it on what's working now so we can protect our current business while earning the right to play in the future. I love that you brought it back to the credo and to the values. You know, few organizations have the kind of deep-rooted history. And I think that um, the momentum of change happens uh, when there is grounding in very deeply rooted values. CS is actually a similar organization. We have a, a yes. very strong sense of purpose <laughs> and values. And so I've always, I've always felt that camaraderie here. But, uh, you know, you've mentioned the collaboration. Tell me more. How is that credo driving you know, as you think about the forward identity of of J and J and and of of our industry in terms of the ecosystem, I think as we think about the creator playing through all of it, it it is bringing people together in that collaboration, but it's also about um, bringing diverse thinking across the table, around the table, excuse me, um, and and managing that change, right? So. Um, I think we're being purposeful in ensuring that we have that diversity around the table. I think that's something we've been very committed to as well. And, and you know, but one of the things you you quickly see is that diversity around the table still needs the support of, of being, uh, you know, having the opportunity to really pull through that thinking and that diversity in terms of the changes that are made. You know, it needs a culture that really surrounds it mm -hmm. and allows those voices to be heard in, in addition to being there. Yes, that's right. And I think that's where that commitment comes in of um, ensuring the right people are around the table based on what they're delivering and not necessarily, you know, um, how long they've been there kind of thing, you know. Um, and, and change isn't easy. It requires all of us as leaders to be really purposeful in not just recruiting um, and ensuring we have diverse slates, which I have personally found if you make that effort, you always find the right talent. But to also ensure that when we're thinking about um, retention, um, that we are, you know, have aware of that diversity. One thing, Savitri, you've heard me talk about a lot is that um, while we are bringing exceptional innovation uh, as, as manufacturers, that there is a call for pharma in the industry to be more than medicine, to change and, and to morph our identity, to be a deeper part of that ecosystem in supportive patients. Now there, you know, you're you're sitting there at the, you know, with the head of corporate strategy in a very values-driven organization that is deeply committed to that service to patients. How do you see our industry needing to change its identity? Like what are the components of what good will look like when we are more deeply embedded in the ecosystem and service to patients? I think shifting the discussion from price of drugs to the total cost of healthcare. Where in the ecosystem are there opportunities and focus much of 
you know, and the focus should be how much of this value and, and benefit that we're creating is actually reaching the patients versus being eroded in the handoffs. That is an amazing question. You and I talked earlier this year about the <laughs> yeah. $5 billion in patient services reaching 3% of patients. But you know, it's the same thing in clinical, right? How few patients actually get a chance to, to truly be part of clinical trials. And I I think that is an important question for the whole industry of health to be asking is, is how do we do more to help patients accelerate through the journey and to get access to every part of enhancing um, their ability to stay healthy? I agree. And this is why I'm so proud of initiatives like Orthi, our, our race to health equity, because it is putting a commitment out there on that um, diversity. You know, to me, that inclusivity is not just about our people, but it's also about our patients, because ultimately, we're both, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Savagery, one specific question, you know, I, I think 2022 was such an inflection point in global policy, and we're seeing it impact strategic decisions on how some companies are looking to innovate and, and commercialize. There's been some bold pivots announced. In some cases, you know, maybe it's taking us away from areas where there is concentration. In other cases, you know, it it may challenge the ability of certain patients to, to receive the kinds of uh, new therapies they need. So, you know, what, when you look at all this, what are you thinking? How have these changes affected Janssen and making decisions, if at all? Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of us are trying to unpack that right now. And, and look, I'm not a policy expert, but we'll say wearing my portfolio strategy hat, that our goal is really to enable that patient's access to transformative therapies globally, right? So while we're unpacking the IRA, and a lot of that is still coming to fruition, we're also looking at other reforms around the world very closely participating in that dialogue and helping to shape policies and then the implementation and then taking it all in in, in um, implementing strategy. So to your question of strategy, I think this is where it really does highlight the criticality of market access and the need for collaboration with R&D um, earlier. And we're constantly evaluating programs with that lens, but maybe even more so in the future. I couldn't agree more. And I think it is important that Biopharma is leaning into that conversation more and more because the ripple effects of some of these policy changes won't be felt for some time and will affect patients on the ground, you know, and and so it is it is really important that we continue that dialogue and we try to take the best of these policies and service to patients, but also make sure we're directing where we can the implementation in a way that doesn't hurt patients. So for example, I'm thinking on the ground in the US with IRA. Um, you know, plans are already thinking 2024, 2025, how do they evolve, um, you know, in, in order to accommodate some of the catastrophic care coverage? And, you know, that may affect patients' abilities to access drugs they are actually on today. So we have to really be in the dialogue, talking through as these things are getting operationally implemented. Absolutely. So Savitri, you know, we've talked about the future. We've talked about patient-first diversity um, capabilities that biopharma needs in order to be the kind of player and to bring the best of this incredible pace of innovation forward. You are sitting in leadership circles making decisions in J&J about that strategy, about that future. What is your most important advice for other leaders in biopharma who are listening in and considering what changes they need to make to their commercial organization in the future? It's a good question. I'd say that, you know, the choice on how uh, diverse you want to go, how broad you want to go, how deep you want to go, right, that's, that's very company specific. But from a cultural perspective, which it always comes down to, right, is 
There's an African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I will say this is something I have learned over time. I think early in my career, it was about going fast and that is what differentiated me as an individual contributor. But as a leader, going together is foundational to making that lasting change so that that change outlives you. You know, and bringing people uh, along is critical and recognizing that people are at different points of that change agility curve. I mean, you can't solve it all or you won't get anywhere, right? Um, but being choiceful about where you need collaboration and where you don't is important. And then I always say, you know, is uh, collaboration isn't consensus, but but it is a respectful understanding of the situation and path forward. In all of your answers, Savitri, I hear such passion around the concept of people, of of teams being as agile and effective as possible. And of course, you know, really using the best of everyone to, to achieve goals. And at the end of the day, those goals are about serving patients. It's really inspiring. Thank you. You know, I will say uh, people, people is what makes me come to work every day, right? Patients first, people always. Um, and it's something that I spend a lot of time thinking about when I'm developing people on my own team. Um, and especially with when it comes to diversity, you know, I immigrated to this country at a young age, but old enough that my values were shaped um, in how I advocated or didn't advocate for myself. Uh, my style is very different than those who were born and raised in, in the U.S. Um, and it's actually adapted, I would say, over time and and certain roles have required that. But I remember those roots when I when I evaluate talent and think about the diverse group of people I get to work with and I'm privileged to work with. Patients first, people always. I, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> I think that's an amazing mantra. Um, Savagery, I'm going to ask you one more question that I ask all my guests. If you could change one thing about healthcare, anything, what would it be? You know, it's what I, I just mentioned, which is let's talk about not the price of drug, but how much of the value and benefit is reaching patients versus getting eroded in the handoffs. That is a conversation I definitely would like to be part of, and I'd like to see this industry turn to. Oh, thank you so much, Savitri, for joining me today. It was great to be here with you, Maria, and always a great discussion. This has been another episode of Transforming Biopharma by ZS. I invite you to subscribe, leave us a review. And to learn more about ZS's work on Pharma's commercial model, visit zs.com slash future model. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. <laughs>